breakdown. My name is Christian White. I'm the CEO of White Associates Practice Consulting. Better business, better dentistry. We are a practice management consulting firm for dentists and other healthcare-related businesses. Our sole purpose is to implement proven strategies through online and in-practice visits that result in the personal and professional success for you and your team. We are in the business of making the difference between good and great. This podcast will help your team have a larger impact on your patients, create long-term lasting relationships with patients and with each other, increase the bottom line, and be happier during the day. You can listen when you first wake up in the morning or just before you go to bed at night on the way to and from work or during your lunch break. Podcast was meant for you and your team's busy lifestyle. Each podcast will be between 10 and 15 minutes long and focus on the daily challenges, frustrations, and concerns you and your team face daily. Okay, Joe, I I guess I, I have a question I've kind of been dying to ask you. So get ready. I know. Live in fear. What makes you guys unique in the dental marketplace. You know, there's this company, Minnesota Transitions. You guys deal with, with you work with dentists. How do you make yourself stand out in the marketplace? Well, one of the, uh, one of the big ways that we stand out is my partner. I founded Minnesota Transitions with uh, Dave Lindy. And yeah. uh, he's a retired uh, dentist. Um, he started a practice in Savage, Minnesota, and he had that practice for uh, 30 years, and unfortunately, he developed a disability. He developed pain in his neck that forced him to transition his practice mm-hmm. and uh, retire before he wanted to. After that, uh, Dave was on the board of dentistry for four years, and then he taught the practice management course at the dental school at the uh, University of Minnesota. And uh, and he wanted to really bring his expertise and knowledge base of dentistry into, tran- into dental transitions. And he and I connected and we thought, wouldn't it be great for the dental industry to have an attorney and a dentist working hand in hand on these on dental transitions? And that has worked out just very well because the knowledge that Dave brings in from owning a practice, hiring and firing associates, mm-hmm. and selling a practice, he understands the emotional work that goes into owning a dental practice and about transitioning out of a dental practice. Yeah. And then, and I bring the, the legal background and that legal knowledge necessary to really to help with the dental transitions. And so what, what really makes us stand out is that team allows us to be a full service transition firm, that we evaluate the financial side of a dental transaction mm-hmm. uh, as well as the legal side of the transaction. So when we're negotiating and putting together a transition, we can make sure that we don't miss anything. You know, that we're not letting a particular, you know, like the non-compete or some, you know, small legal term that might turn into a big deal closer to the closing. We don't let that go. But we also can look at the financial side and, you know, talk about that and and, and look at the more dental-specific items. Now, you also made a very interesting hire as of late. Now, you hired a young lady named Lisa Netzer. Yes, we did. Yes, I got her name right. Yes, okay, <laughs> wonderful. Everybody's going to hear that. Oh, well, she brings a unique perspective to your, you know, your business that you haven't had before. No. So tell me, tell us about that. We have been growing, and we've been uh, getting to the point where we needed help. Mm-hmm. You know, we needed more kind of attorney time to work on these transitions because you know I think we've been so successful at them that we've had a, a lot of 
you know, a lot of clients that, that we're trying to work through so and, and help with their transitions and make sure that they're fully supported. So when I, I know Lisa from a, uh, her, her husband, I actually sail a sailboat on Lake Harriet with her husband. <laughs> and uh, wow. so I, um, I knew Lisa through Robert and uh, Lisa was, uh, she has this experience. She was a Bloomington city attorney for 10 years, mm-hmm. and then she worked for the Department of Corrections. And uh, with Bloomington, she did she kind of wide variety of roles, but part of it was employment law. And with the Department of Corrections, she did uh, she worked with the nurses board and other kind of board work. And that gave her a really, I thought, a unique background to support dentists. So while she's helping me on uh, dental transitions, she also brings uh, an employment law background as well as a kind of a board defense background to Minnesota transitions. And so she is working with uh, dentists on a variety of employment law issues from hiring and firing to employment, uh, employee handbooks, to uh, dealing with the complex leave, like maternity leave, mm-hmm. um, FMLA leave, and uh, some of the kind of unique laws that are going, employment laws that are in very, like the city of Minneapolis has some unique employment laws. And then she also is working on doing board defense work. And so she's she's helped dentists who've received complaints with the board of dentistry. Um, she appeared before, she's appeared before the board. And, uh, and when we, what's great about that is that Lisa has this experience to do board defense work, but Dave Lindy, who I started Minnesota Transitions with, he's a former board member and uh, was on the complaint okay. committee with the board, nice. board of dentistry. And so when, so Lisa and Dave worked together on this defense work mm-hmm. to and kind of evaluate a complaint, look about, you know, look at what's going on, figure out the best way to present um, and defend dentists to uh, if there is something that they, if, they, if they do have to go in front of the board. And then that allows us to be a little more, I think, comprehensive in our support of dentists and the dental industry. Uh, people who are, you know, they're working and they own their practice and they're running their practice, but, you know, they have to deal with an employee issue. We can bring Lisa in to kind of support on that front. Mm-hmm. Nice. So if I'm a dentist and if I, if there's a complaint raised against me and I'm wondering where do I go, who do I talk to, I can call Minnesota Transitions and I can talk to Lisa or David. Yep. They're going to work together okay. on that, that uh, board work. And um, and help them through a you know very difficult situation. It is yes, it is. That's nice. That's really good for all the dentists to know that. Because a lot of sometimes you know you get something happens. You know, a patient will say something or something happen. You know, you know how life happens, and you need someone to be in your corner and and and, and be there for you. That's a good thing that the dentists now know that. Let me move on to another subject, Joe. Uh, let me get back to when you're you know, going about valuing a dental practice. Dentists normally go out and get about you know two dozen valuations before they sell. <laughs> you're laughing, good, because they do. And they kind of, you know, and they, oh, I'll just, go with the, I'll just go with the one that's the most, because that's the best. And you and I both know that is not the case. No. What's, what's really important is that you find, you do when you are relying on evaluation. If I'm a doctor who's thinking about retiring and selling uh, my practice, I want to have evaluation that's fair. You know, that, that is not kind of the, the, uh, the stars and the moon, you know, but it's also uh, fairly valuing the, the successful practice that they've built. So it needs to be fair. Uh, it needs to be able to be the, the price that has come up with. Um, banks are going to rely on that. You know, they, they're going to look at that. The other side's uh, maybe CPA is going to look at that. So you want to make sure you have a valuation that's fair. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so, and that's really kind of our guiding philosophy in when we do practice valuations is to make sure that it's supported by, a, you know, fair and can be defended. And so part of the thing that we, uh, our process is to make sure we have good data from a dental practice. We need to make sure that they're, um, the number of active patients, for example, the patients that are, have been in the office the last 18 to 24 months is a good number. Yes. And, uh, you know, from time to time that, you know, I can typically, um, when I'm meeting a doctor and talking to them and asking them about their practice, they can tell me their collections and they can then, then they'll tell me their the number of active patients. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it'll be like, 2,000, 3,000, yes. 4,000, I know that there's a problem there. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and I do see that. And, and it's actually, it's not the dentist who is trying to misrepresent their practice. It's a problem actually with some of the software. It is. Because the software, the dental software, some of the softwares will track active patients based on how many times they've actually been in the office the last 24 months. But some will, you actually need to manually deactivate a patient if they haven't been in there in the last 24 months. And who is going to do that? What a pain <laughs> to do that. It's, it's just a time suck. So, and I don't blame them at all. But right. then they yes. get the, these print-offs and the numbers are wrong. So yeah. luckily, we, can, we've, we have so much experience that we can see what they're, we look at their production by ADA code, mm-hmm. um, look at the number of exams they've done, the recall, and then just looking at their collections to evaluate, you know, are these numbers good or bad? Mm-hmm. When we're valuing a practice, we look at a practice three different ways. We look at the uh, hard assets, so that's all of the equipment in the practice and the supplies and the number of patients. That's kind of all the stuff that's in the practice. Then we look at the collections, and we, what we do is we look at the last three years and we weight it for the most re- recent year and we apply a multiplier of that. You know, the range of multipliers is kind of on the low end is gonna be 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, on the high end, it can go as high as 80 to 90%, wow. depending. Most of them are in the, in the 65 to 75% range. And then we look at the profitability of the practice. And we, what we do is we look at what the doctor's taken home and their profits, the W-2 that they've paid themselves and the K-1s that they've paid themselves. And then we add back other kind of discretionary items that might appear in their tax returns that they're taking deductions for, but are really truly profit that are not really necessary. So examples of that are uh, interest that they're paying on um, on a loan, mm-hmm. for example. We look at depreciation that shows up on tax returns. That's considered profit added back. We look at if there are cars that are being used in the practice or cell phones, some continuing education, uh, retirement contributions. And we take all that, kind of all the, we call them personal expenses. And they're legitimate. I'm not suggesting that a, you know, a doctor's unnecessarily kind of running expenses through a practice, but these are legitimate expenses that are not really necessary to run a practice. So I we can't add that. Both? <laughs> can't add your boat and uh, we add that all and we get the, get a profit number and then what we what we do is we imagine what would you um, if you had to pay an associate to do the work of the dentist what would you need to pay that associate and then we look at what's left over at the end and that's what we call excess earnings mm-hmm. and that profit that excess earnings is kind of what's used to pay the the younger doctor who's going to buy it they're going to use that excess earnings to pay the the bank loan when mm-hmm. they're taking it over um, and we again play a multiplier cap rate to come up with the value mm-hmm. and that's the way we look at profits so we take all three ways of valuing we average them and then we come up with a uh, range mm-hmm. and uh, kind of a high low range wow 
So we um, and uh, and we will routinely, you know, sometimes we'll share it with the the younger doctors. Sometimes we won't. It kind of depends on the situation. But we want to make sure that again that the valuations are fair and they're supported by um, legitimate data, which is number one, and formulas and and a process for for doing the valuation that is um, that can be defended with banks, CPAs, as they look at the mm-hmm. transition. So, Joe, with, with all your experience, when you come across an evaluation, you're like, <laughs> something's off here, okay? Your practice is not worth $20 million. <laughs> you know, in that particular case, you know, what do you do? I mean, what is your recourse if you get a, a valuation that you know something's going on? So, you know, I, well, what do you do? Well, first of all, we, we want to make sure that we understand what's going on in the practice. So okay. we're going to ask for various reports. We'll look for production and collections. Mm-hmm. We'll look for production by ADA code. We look at number of active patients, and then we look at the profit and loss statement. And generally speaking, if the if the overhead is really low or really high, like we'll like for example, one of the things that that we see from time to time is that the doctor owns the practice owns the building that the practice is in, but they're not paying themselves any rent out of the practice. Uh. But that when the younger doctor is going to take over that and they don't buy the building, they're going to owe rent to the selling doctor. Selling doctor. So we need to build more overhead. The overhead is unnaturally low. And so we want to make sure that we are going to kind of evaluate a practice based on what's going to happen after the fact from a, from a younger doctor. Um, we'll also look, you know, if the patient, the number of active patients seem way too high, we will, you know, based on, on uh, you know, typically a, the kind of the average productive dentist can see anywhere from kind of if it's you know 1200 on the low end up to like maybe 2000 on the high end if it's going to go way above that not not saying it still might be right i mm-hmm. mean there are some doctors out there that that just do that are so efficient that they can see all these patients mm-hmm. but we're just going to start looking at it to make sure it's that the data is correct and then we just work with the younger doctors so they can understand what's going on wonderful that was awesome that was great information so our time is winding down joe thank you for spending time with us today Thanks for I having me. I shared some unbelievable information. That was great. Our listeners are really, really going to find that highly, highly valuable. Because a lot of them, when it comes to transitions, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And, and we want to make sure that these doctors have all the knowledge that they can, that they need to be mm-hmm. supported through a transition. And that's a unique piece that you guys do a very, very, very good job of. I applaud you for that. Thank you. So to our listeners, uh, if you find value in our discussion, which we hope you do, and you'd like to learn more, please go to whitedentalconsulting.com slash breakdown or call us at 952 Four three two three three two two. Thank you for listening. Here.